0: So obviously want to dig into 20 years of OTEP and celebrating the debut album and talk about the Whiskey Show and get your opinion on a couple of things. But uh, I think we got to start with the debut album, 20 years old now, Sevastra, and really kind of goes back to Ozfest and being hand-selected by Sharon Osbourne to play Ozfest because that's what led to the record deal, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, We'd only played about four or five shows as a local band here in in Los Angeles, just up and down the Sunset Strip. And I had noticed Jack Osborne at first. He was just a kid at the time. Of course, he was always uh, front row and he was kind of trying to start our little mosh pits and we were only playing probably front of 30, 40 people at the time as a local band. And then uh, I remember we opened at the Roxy and um, we did our show and we were open for a, a national act at the time. And uh, I remember someone came back to me and said, "Sharon would like to speak to you." And I said, "Oh, uh, you know, I don't I don't know anyone named Sharon. Um, just give me a second. I'm still recovering from the show." And they said, Sharon Osborne. And I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, uh, let me get ready. So I just, toweled off and walked outside. And she just said, you know, Otep, darling, I love the performance. And you're playing office And I said, Oh, great. I don't have a record deal. She's like, "Ah, we will make it happen. Don't worry about it. You're going to do it. And then shortly thereafter, um, I mean, we were already being scouted by uh, labels, but it got really serious after that. And uh, it came down to uh, between two labels. And I decided to go with capital at the time.
0: Yeah, I remember that's kind of where you came on my map was, that, that was Ozfest out at Glen Helen, San Bernardino for so many years and just yeah. blowing yeah. up that crowd.
1: One of my favorite memories is we played and, and I remember they'd been chanting our name all day, which made a lot of the other bands <laughs> a little angry on second stage, uh, but it was my fault. But I remember when we came out and we hit the first note of uh, our song Battle Ready, which is on our first album, all I saw was uh, the mosh pit hit and uh just a wall of just i just saw sand just just a huge <laughs> cloud of just dust in the air i couldn't even see the audience anymore for like five minutes so it was it was really memorable
0: yeah the big dust bowl that was created by that pit yeah how did exactly you, how did you hook up with uh terry date for the album
1: uh, that was uh, through um, Capital, actually. They had a couple of producers at the time and that they'd offered, and I was a huge Deftones fan, and I, and I, he'd worked at the Deftones a lot, and Chino was always a, uh, a vocal inspiration for me. So when they asked me if I'd want to work with Terry Days, who was – You know, at that time, I mean, he's still a legend, obviously, but at that time he was one of the top producers. And I just said, yeah, like, of course, (laughs) I'd love to if he's into it. And he came down, he actually came down from, uh, he lives up north on the West Coast, and he came down, watched us rehearse and said, okay, let's do it. And so we recorded the first album in Seattle Uh, It took us about five weeks to do the record there. We'd rehearsed and written a lot in Los Angeles before we headed up, but uh, we ended up finishing the album uh, and writing a few songs there in Seattle and it was great because it was the studio, the Deftones had performed there before, I mean, recorded there before, I'm sorry. And uh, it was owned by Pearl Jam's drummer. So, and as a, you know, a grunge kid, I, that was just like a huge thing for me. I was just like, wow, we're in like the, you know, studio that's owned by the, the drummer from this amazing band that's uh, I'm really, um, you know, inspired by. And then I'm actually being, and Terry set me up in with the same way that he recorded Chino. So I, I was just, uh, I was just in heaven at that point.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, you're in the the grunge capital in Seattle, and then even more so in the the Pearl Jam drummer's studio. Really cool and really great that it's, it's been 20 years now because nobody does what you do. I feel like you kind of set off this trend of screaming singing rapping that uh a lot of women are doing nowadays but i I don't think you get the credit that you deserve for doing it over 20 years ago and you know obviously there were female uh, metal artists before then but not doing what you do
1: that's very kind of you thank you uh it's um i'm very proud uh that i've been able to sort of elbow my way into the genre and plant my own flag Uh, It gets a little frustrating sometimes when I see... uh, I'm always supportive of female-fronted bands, of course, always. In fact, whenever we tour, I always ask, uh, my agent to you know find us is you know I want my my touring package to be female fronted and pack as many local bands on because you know I, I always want to support the local scene. But sometimes it gets a little frustrating when I see in the you know music media where they uh, you know will give uh, credit to a lot of other artists who are uh, obviously been uh, inspired by what um, I've I've done, the risks that I've taken, and it you know it sometimes it's Tossed me greatly in the genre, you know, in the way that I, I stand for what I believe. But I always wanted to bring in, and that was what was great about new metal, is that you were able to bring in um, all your influences. So I brought in everything that influenced me, from spoken word poetry, to punk, to grunge, to hip-hop, to metal, uh, to, you know, um, just the way that I, I wanted to perform. And uh you know, bands like Slipknot and Deftones and System of a Down, all those bands really heavily inspired me early on. But thank you for, for what you said. That's very kind. It, it does get a little frustrating. I'm working on my ninth album now, and um, I kind of cover a little bit of that on, on this record. It's huge. I'm so excited for it.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because I was certainly going to get into that. I mean, Colt 45 is now four years old, so it's good to hear that you are mm-hmm. working on new music. Are we thinking this year, next year? Where mm-hmm. are we at?
1: We've just finished uh, mixing, and we're about to go into mastering, and then it's up really up to the label to decide when they're going to release it, what they're going to release, which single they're going to release. I mean, I, I have some say as to you know, what I recommend, but it ultimately it lies on them. So I'm hoping for, a, I always want a Christmas release. Labels always fight me on that, but I always <laughs> think that's like, that's when people have money. You know, my, my, most of my fans are working class people and, and uh, you know, and I grew up, you know, poverty class, working class. So I, I try to, I never forgot my roots and uh, I always try to think about that. And so hopefully I'm going to try to again, push them for you know, if not a, a late 2022 uh, release, then maybe something early next year.
0: Maybe at least a single this year before the year ends.
1: Yes, exactly. We're, we're definitely pushing for that. Me and the producer of the record who I worked. Um, I worked with uh, him on Generation Doom, uh, which was my seventh record, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that album. Royals and, Thank you. and so many good songs on there. Can we talk about the current OTEP lineup? (laughs) Who's in the band these days? Is the same band on the album going to be at the Whiskey on the 15th?
1: no uh well except for the drummer the drummer lamar little he's going to be on uh he'll play with me he's been playing with me since um since during COVID, since 2020 because of COVID and because of quarantine and everything um we've sort of scattered so this record actually was written with a lot of different um with a couple of different songwriters which i was really excited to to work with you brought it up you know cult 45 was my last album which is four years old now insane to believe that it. it's been four years, but it has. When I when I went back in the studio, the band is sort of dispersed at that point. Musicians, everybody was trying to make a living and trying to find other jobs. And, and so um, I just went to the producer and we sat down and we, we found some really, really talented, creative people. And I, even though I've been doing this for a long time and um, have accomplished a lot, uh, at least I think I have, I really work best with mentors. I like people that are, uh, I feel like creatively better than I am so that I can, you know, have this sort of spiritual intercourse between all of us where we're sort of sharing ideas and I'm inspiring them and they're inspiring me. So uh, right now I'm, I'm being blessed for this show that's coming up on September 15th at the Whiskey in Los Angeles here on the Sunset Strip. I'm being blessed by several friends uh, who are extremely talented musicians, some of the best I've ever worked with, and, and they're going to uh, join us in this celebration. And all of them have been inspired by uh, the first album. So it's it's really a, a really re- remarkable experience, even for me right now, just to be able to play with people who were inspired by the first album and are excited and passionate to play this celebration of this album.
0: And I'm always curious, and bands do it several different ways, but uh, when you're celebrating an album like this, does that mean that you're going to be playing every single song and in sequence as the album runs, or are you going to kind of mix it all up?
1: Uh, We're working on that. I kind of want to leave that a little bit to a surprise. I think there's some songs that um, work better on an album uh, than they do live, especially for our shows, because our shows are so, you know, uh, really passionate and really uh, energetic and, and... quite carbonating to the art audience. So right now I think we're we're trying to figure that out. Plus there's songs on there that are difficult to replicate now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's been twenty years and, and technology's changed. I mean we recorded on tape back then and then they fed it into Pro Tools. Much different than it is now where everything <laughs> is all digital.
0: So. yeah, a whole different world nowadays and and you were talking earlier about uh, the support bands. Do we have any uh, support bands listed for that show? Any anyone you can say?
1: Again, we're doing uh, local local scene we're, we're supporting the local scene. it's all locals and I'm really excited about that. you know every you know everyone who listens to their favorite band, they all started out as local bands somewhere and so that's really exciting for me because you know you have to you have to understand, you know, uh, your favorite bands, who's who you listen to, uh, you know whenever you are looking to be to celebrate something or you're looking to be uplifted. I mean, they all started out as local bands. So I think it's really important uh, to support the local scene, especially now that we've moved into a more of a digital age and and we're only really, you know everything is is suggested to us. We're not ever. Uh, really subjected to anything that we don't like, uh, it's always things that we might like because of things that we've previously listened to. So, if you watch a YouTube video, it's gonna its algorithm is going to suggest something that um, oh, well, you like this, so you'll like this because it sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for all the other streaming services. So but when you listen to uh, a local band, especially if if they're really passionate about what they're doing, you know they're gonna give you you know, a live performance that is, um, you know, coming from their heart and and probably give you um, maybe uh, a window into something brand new that you've never heard before. So we're really excited that we're able to support the local scene here in L.A.
0: Yeah, that's great. And and that's it. Like we were talking earlier about OzFest. That was a great thing about those festivals. You could just kind of walk around and discover bands and man, I'm missing, yeah. I'm missing those metal festivals. It's been a few years now since we've had any out at Glen Helen. And I hope that uh, I know they go all over the world, but Glen Helen was kind of the, the epicenter for a lot of those OzFest. And I hope hope we get back to that at some point, these big, massive metal festivals.
1: I do too. And and one of the things that I really loved about uh the, the Ozfest that I played on specifically was that they included all different genres, you know, on the main stage you'll have some, you know, artists that that aren't particularly quote-unquote metal, but you know, they all they're good. And so it was just it was it was a really I don't know it was a magical time for me because you were able to go and watch somebody on main stage and and see maybe something that you've never heard of before. but wow, okay, I like this band. They're great live and then you'd go over to second stage and it would be something else and it was it was really uh, remarkable I, I I miss them. and I think that's where sort of the when they started just catering to to just a a, a one type of genre it um, it became less sustainable because you know there's only a certain amount of People that, you know, of course, listen to a certain genre. I think keeping it open and keeping it liberated and is, is, would be great. And I, I hope somebody does bring it back. Yeah. And I would, it would be a dream of mine to return to, to that place, Glen Hill. And it would be really great. Yeah. I- I such great memories there.
0: We've talked about the the first album. We've talked about, you know, Colt 45, the new music coming. I want to do, if we could for a second, go back to the second album, especially talking to all this OzFest talk and talk a little House of Secrets, which uh, Joey Jordison played on Rest in Peace. And I was wondering if you could talk about how that came to be. Was that born out of him seeing you at OzFest and any memories you can share of him in that time period?
1: I adored Joey. I miss him and love him. And, and I'm so sorry that he's gone now. The Slipknot guys were always very, um, they were always very, uh, they embraced me and were kind of like big brothers to me in a a lot of ways. And they always had my back. I mean, uh, whenever I played second stage and they were on main stage or whenever they were on second stage, they would always close second stage off or whatever stage they were on. But I was the only one that was allowed to stand on side stage with them, and you know, clown would throw things at me, and, you know, <laughs> just out of love, and you know. But I remember when we were recording House of Secrets, it was very much in a similar situation that I, that that I record. I'm recording my ninth album is that I didn't actually have a full band, so I was I was writing a lot. The producer Greg Wells, he's a multi instrumentalist, so I was writing a lot with him, and he'd worked with the Deftones before, so that was exciting. We also brought in. Um, a couple of other musicians that to help us out and Greg can play drums, but he really doesn't, can't play Joey Jordison style (laughs) drums. So Greg asked me, well, if you could choose any drummer in the world, who would you want? And I said, Joey. And he said, let's give him a call. And within a week or so, the first session, he played a couple of songs and then he liked them so much. He came back and he played three more. So he played five songs on that album. Wow. And, um, it was one of those moments. I'm sitting in the control booth, looking into the drum room, and just in awe of one of my heroes and one of my, luckily, my friends, just giving him, giving us everything. And his, what was wonderful about Joey was that after every take, he wasn't this guy that had this gigantic ego. He was always very uh, accommodating and wanted to give us the best that he had. And so he would ask, "Is that okay?" How how about this, Phil? Was this okay? And it was just it was really, really just just a wonderful experience. And and I miss him. I really do.
0: Amazing to find out kind of later on that not only was he a fantastic, incredible drummer, but he was really Mm -hmm. a big part of the songwriting machine at Slipknot. Did he tweak any tunes? Did he give Mm -hmm. you any songwriting on on House of Secrets or just kind of come in and play the drums? Uh,
1: he, uh, just as far as percussion, he, he, I mean, we, he asked what he, what we wanted. And I said, just whatever, you know, here's the track and write what you feel and play what you feel. And he, that's what he did. But yeah, he was, uh, he was a definitely one of the big inspirations and, and songwriters for Slipknot when he was, when he was with them. And, uh, it was just, again, just You know, we just said, listen, you're Joey Jordan. (laughs) Go, you know, let's just go, like do your thing, man. And and he really did. He came up with some really um, great ideas, things that we hadn't thought of. And he understood negative space which is something that a lot of musicians don't understand. You know, a lot of musicians just and a lot of singers, too. And sometimes I'm guilty of it. I want to smear myself all over every song. But <laughs> it's important sometimes to understand negative space where, you know, the music speaks in the silence. I learned that from him firsthand, and he was very aware of that. Like, you know, it's it's important to have uh, that approach to writing. And so that was really just another thing that made it remarkable.
0: Incredible. Incredible. Oh, Tep, I appreciate all the time. Just one last question. Uh, I got to hit you with. We're one of those old school radio stations. We bow down 10 p.m. to Metallica. We do mandatory Metallica. And I'm kind of curious, uh, do you remember the first time hearing Metallica?
1: I do. My older brothers, I'm Irish, so I have a whole a ton of brothers. Um, <laughs> and I remember my eldest brother who passed away in October, uh, sadly, but he was the guy I and mean, he was the metal guy uh, in the family uh, and introduced it to my other brothers who who also became, you know, in love with that genre. But I remember him um, playing Metallica one day and I just walked past his room and I was like, what is this? <laughs> it was so big because I was kind of a bookworm, you know, growing up. I didn't, I didn't really listen to a whole lot of music. But when I heard that, I was just, it wasn't like anything I'd ever heard before. And it was just so powerful. And the musicality was just on just another level. I really appreciate that he was able to introduce me to them. And and they've always, I mean, obviously, I mean, they're an inspiration to everybody and all all different, you know, genres of music, every single one. And the fact that they're still at at the top of their game, I mean, after all these years is a testament to how talented they are and and, um, how much they love just playing music and playing their music. That's what I remember.
0: Yeah, and, and condolences for your loss of your brother. I lost mine, too, a few years back. Never easy. But do you remember that first song? Do you remember what that first song was when you walked by the room?
1: Oh, man, that's a good one. Jeez, uh, I, I, honestly, I don't remember because I, I think I was just so in awe of it. It was right. so big. Uh, it might have been Enter Sandman. Is that the name of it? Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it was that one. Because I remember the little prayer at the end, and I was just like... It scared me at the same time and it excited me. You know,
0: <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah. Is that yeah. your favorite Metallica we, song? Is that the song we should play for you on Mandatory Metallica? Then Inner Sandman.
1: Yeah, in honor of my brother, and and I think so. Yeah, I think that would be that would be that would be fitting. Thank you. That would be amazing. That would be really really amazing.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time, and can't wait for the show on the fifteenth.
1: Say hi at the show if you come.
0: I definitely will. I would love to say hi to you.
1: <laughs> okay, Mike. Thanks.
0: Thanks. Bye bye. Bye.